0: what is going on beautiful people i hope you are having a fantastic day welcome back to another episode of the thrive forever fit show as always i'm grateful for you i'm pumped that you're here and the fact that you spend your time listening to me rant and rave is unbelievably amazing to me and i I couldn't be more grateful for it Secondarily, this podcast is sponsored by a brand new product that I have just released to the market. It's called Elite Collagen. If you're not taking a collagen product, then you just don't care about your healthy skin, your healthy hair, your healthy nails, your joints, your cardiovascular health, just your overall body wellness. Collagen is an amazing product that is going to help with everything. And listen, I mean, you're exposed to a lot of elements. Why not internally fortify your system with a beautiful collagen? But here's the situation. Some of you guys may know, hey bud, I'm already taking a collagen. Appreciate you. Gotcha. I got bad news. The problem is this: most collagen powders are just that. They're powdered collagens and they're made from bovine, which is cows, or porcine, which is pigs, skin. Have you ever seen a cow skin or a pig skin? Some of them are plant-derived. We won't even get into those. The collagen, it's not even really a collagen product. It's a, a makeup of stuff that tries to become collagen. But if you're taking a collagen powder, one of those big hefty collagen, gross, chalky, whatever it is, just know that it's coming from skin of cows and pigs. And of course they wash them, but if you've ever been at a pig farm or a cow farm, not the most savory of things. My collagen is a marine-based collagen. And here's the big thing. Forget all the other shit I've already said. Here's the differentiation between mine and the one you're already taking. Mine is half a tablespoon every day. It's a delicious chocolate mint flavor. And here's, here's the big stuff. Here's the, here's the real deal. Here's what nobody's telling you. The powdered collagens get broken down inside of the gastrointestinal stomach, inside of the stomach. That's not where collagen gets absorbed. Collagen actually gets absorbed and has a higher efficacious benefit if it's absorbed in the small intestine. Well, see, mine passes through the stomach based on a beautiful collection of of polymers and a collection of these peptides if you heard that, that's just really taking a sneeze. He likes to be introduced in some of these podcasts and I didn't give him a proper shout out, but my collagen actually passes through the stomach and gets digested inside of the small intestine, which is where all the magic happens. Your powder product's not even making it there. So you're getting very minimal, if any efficacious um, effects from drinking that chalky gross tasting powder products. If you're interested, just go to thriveforeverfit.com. Go to my store. You'll see Elite Collagen on there. You can pop me a note. I'll give you all the details. It is unbelievably amazing. I've been taking it for a while um, because I've been testing it and and creating it and everything. Guys, it is revolutionary and it is unbelievable. I can't wait for you to try it. Elite Collagen. Go grab yourself some today. Take care of your skin. Jeremy, welcome to the show, brother. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good Jay. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing awesome man. We had a little chat before I clicked record which I was already enjoying so I didn't want to waste any more of our our content. So Kansas City, Missouri. Wife, two kids. What's life like in Kansas City right now?
1: Uh, It's pretty hot. Uh, Our baseball team's bad again and (laughs) uh, but our but our uh, we have the best quarterback in the world so it's good times.
0: You know what? I was going to get to that. I didn't know if you were a sports dude or not, but you just took the words right out of my mouth. All right. So let me ask you this. Have you always been a diehard Chiefs guy or is it just because we got ourselves a little stud back there?
1: I grew up here, so I've been a diehard. So I went through heartbreak after heartbreak in the 90s when we never won a playoff game. And um yeah, I think we, it was. I think it was 90. I think it was when we had Joe Montana. One year we had Joe Montana yeah. as the quarterback, and we won a playoff game in 93, I think. And then it was either 93 or 94. And then we didn't win one uh, for, I don't know, it was like 28 years or 30 years or something stupid like that. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, See, I can respect yeah. that. It's, you know what, when, when my came into the league, it's all of a sudden, like I live out in California. I'm like, there's people rocking Mahomes jerseys everywhere. I'm like, you've never even been to Kansas city. I guarantee right. you don't even, you probably think it's in Kansas.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, you
0: know, that's always my, that's always my little question. I'm like, Hey, where's the, uh, where's that at? And they're like, uh, I don't know. I just love Mahomes. I love the Jersey. But I I like Alec like my big Andy Reed guy like I think he's a good dude like he seems like the kind of I base my sports now on like what I want to hang out with the guy. And Andy Andy Reed's kind of like Hey, you want to go grab a coffee or maybe something to eat? Like he would be a blast. So, Cheeseburger. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, we're not going anywhere healthy if Andy's if Andy's driving. Right.
1: Right. So,
0: but he seems like a really really cool dude. And the baseball team. I mean, I mean, isn't Pat a, a major owner in that now?
1: He's a, he's a I think he's a, mi- a minor. A Minor. Owner. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, we had a fun run in 2014 and 2015. Yeah. Uh, got the World Series swept our way. We started the wild card in 2014. Crazy twelve inning comeback, insane game that I was at, and then we swept our way through the playoffs all the way to the World Series, lost in Game Seven by one run, and um, to Madison Bumgarner essentially, yep. and then came back in 2015 and and won it. So, but then yeah, cool. it's been kind of downhill ever since then. <laughs>
0: well, listen, I'm a Cowboys fan, so we haven't been good in since. I mean, I can't even remember. I was in high school, so I mean, it's not even not even fun to talk about sports for me. I'm a Cowboys and a Rangers fan. So, and you know how, you know, how the the Rangers world series is have gone. Oh yeah. I
1: was actually in St. Louis when that one happened. So
0: heartbreak. So yeah, I can't even really talk about it without getting emotional. So, (laughs) well, dude, I'm glad you're here, man. I appreciate you taking the time. And the reason that I found you is because of this book. So congrats on the book. I've written two books myself. And so I have a, a soft place in my heart for anybody who's willing to take on the gauntlet of actually doing this. Right. You know, because I think before I wrote people like, Oh, you should write a book. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I wrote my first book and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Then they're like, Hey, you should write another one. And I'm like, you're a psychopath.
1: Right. right.
0: <laughs> so congrats on that, man. What was the, um? did you, are you a writer by just by nature or was this something you just felt heartfelt that had to happen or how did this book come to fruition
1: yeah it's a great question I think uh actually I I I did have a little little bursts of writing in in my you know in growing up and in high school and just little like spurts of like okay yeah like I I think I like writing but I never did it consistently I never really got into it much until I was my last executive that I supported um, had gotten fired. He burned out. Just Long story short, got fired. And so I decided to resign and move on and try a different career, or a, not a different career, a different industry organization. And in that moment, I was 2016, I decided that I I was actually burned out myself as well. Okay. And so I decided I did not want to burn out again. I didn't want my executive, my future, whoever I was going to support in the future, I didn't want them to burn out. And I just, but it didn't stop there because I've always been a helper at heart. And so I was like, I want to help as many assistants as I can, as many executives as I can. So I thought, well, what if I started blogging? What if I almost kind of had this coaching training um, program where I would help assistants find an example? find an executive assistant, equip and empower their executive assistant, and all the while resist burnout. And so I started blogging, I started getting active on LinkedIn, building my network over the years, started speaking, training, coaching. And about, so it was two years ago now, well, a little over two years, because the book's been out for two years. I said, all right, I think it's time. I, I kept having the same conversations yeah. over and over again. And I was like, all right, I think it's time to put everything down in a book because I can't have these one on one coaching calls. I'm still a full time as an executive assistant. I still, have, right. you know, I have a day job, I have kids, I have family. So I just that's what that's what really got me to say, all right, let's put all this down in a book. I can reach more people yeah. and don't have to necessarily increase the amount of time that I spend <laughs> on this. Right. So
0: Right. Was there any? Fe- I, I'm I'm asking this because I had this feel. Was there any like fear associated with? Hey, nobody may read this thing.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, there was. I even talk about this a little bit in the intro, but I basically had plenty of emotional turmoil um, as I was writing it. Things like imposter syndrome. Things yeah. like, you know, do I really want to be this vulnerable? Are people really gonna? be helped by this? Yeah. Is this actually going to be read? Is this worth it? You know, I invested a lot of time, but I also invested a lot of money. Like I wanted to do it right. And so I yeah. paid for a graphic designer, a, a publishing too. partner. I paid for another, for like another editor, even though I didn't necessarily need that editor. I went ahead and paid for another editor because I wanted to do I it did right. The
0: same thing. I did a double edit because I'm like, listen, if I'm going to do this, like, I don't yeah. want I don't want to look like a stooge. Like- right.
1: <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll, I'm going to invest a lot of time and money in this. And so then, yeah, you're just like, I told my wife who was very supportive and actually helped me really even line by line, go through the book as well and really help help make it better. But I told her, I said, well, it's going to be an investment. Maybe we'll make the money back. I basically said my goal is to make the money back in two years. (laughs) This was my goal. And, uh, you know, thankfully it's gone well. Uh, we made our money back in like, six months and it's just been yeah been crazy ever since
0: that's what you had me at the dedication to the grandparents i got a soft spot in my heart for my grandparents and so i flipped it out i'm like okay this is got is this a good dude like
1: (laughs) you just (laughs) stop right
0: stop right there and you know you're a good dude
1: yeah well the funny thing is i didn't even really remember or acknowledge this until years into my assistant career but my grandma was actually an assistant read, at twa i read, I read uh, that. airlines yeah and so uh that yeah just kind of funny how that how that worked
0: let's talk about that because i think you know and this is one of the questions that marissa my assistant you know we were kind of talking and she's like i was like what do you want to know like what would you like to you know if you could ask jeremy questions like what would you want to know and i had already had this question written down so it was like it was a beautiful and she's, I said. How did you how did you decide you wanted to become and I put professional in capital letters, like a professional executive assistant, because I think a lot of times people think of, oh, executive assistant, I'm just going to do this for a little while until I find something else to do, or it's just kind of a stepping stone into something else like, what made you like, say, hey, like, because you said earlier, you said the word, I've always been a helper. And so I know there's a piece of that to it. But what was the what was the path that got you to where you are now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think it was a career. No, I didn't really know anything about it. And I was, I was doing music. Um, I was a music, you know, pastor, minister, worship leader, whatever you want to call it, for a nonprofit church organization. And but I needed to, I needed to pay my bills, and so like, I had to do other stuff and music. So I would start, started organizing. I started project managing. I started doing the details. And I just realized over time as I did more on that, more of that, so that I could justify getting paid more. Uh, I was like, man, everybody around me is just is terrible at showing up on time, replying to emails, managing calendar, keeping up with to-do lists. It's like, what is the deal? Like, is everybody am I just am I really good at this? Or <laughs> are they just really bad at this? Right. And I uh, after a while, I realized it was both. Yeah. Um and then my I th- I think it was the the executive assistant to my prior executive before I became his assistant sent me this article in the Harvard Business Review from Melba Duncan called the case for executive assistance or something like that. I think it was called the case for the executive assistant. And it basically talks about the ROI and and it and it lines it out and says, okay, if you're a CEO. You, do you really want to pay yourself, you know, whatever, I don't remember the exact numbers on this example. This was an older article, but it was like, do you really want to pay yourself $350 an hour to schedule meetings? No, you don't want to do that. And so like you, you, you pay an assistant and you pay them well, but then you see how, how much return you're getting on your time and your, your investment on that assistant. And so that was the first time I was like, oh, this is a career. Right. So that was like, that was like the outside data point of, okay, this is actually a career and can be a career. So then I started leaning into it a little bit more and and realizing, all right, I can actually provide for my family doing this. And then as I, as I got into it and realized how it was better than going to college for an MBA, because I could see that, that from behind the curtain, how business is run, how organization is run, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I just, it just started feeding what I've always had, which, which is an entrepreneur itch, uh, kind of gave me a lot of ways to scratch that itch without the full risk of, of just leaping and, and trying to start a business or whatever. Um, and then, you know, yeah, it just kind of evolved from there.
0: Yeah, to one of your points, you said something in the book that really resonated with me. You said you have, you have an ability to see inefficiency really well and then want to correct it. And that is, I mean, that, that spoke to my heart because I'm the same way. Like I can, I can walk into an organization or just in, into a room, right, and watch the flow or the how people do things, like whether it's a service-based thing or whether it's a customer service or anything, And I'm really good at seeing an efficiency and then figuring out how to make it more efficient. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a trait that a lot of people don't have. And the fact that you do and you do, that probably really sets you apart from, like you said, are these people not very good at this or am I just better? And I thought of this question when you were were answering that, did you open up a lot of the executives' eyes to the value that you brought to the table? Because I assume a lot of them at some point just had somebody who was like, Hey if that thing rings answer it. Get get me a cup of coffee. Base just basic low level like things did you open up their eyes to the expansiveness of what you could bring to the table?
1: Yeah, I mean part of it was hey, I'm I'm drafting emails or I'm writing emails on behalf of my executive. Yeah. Or I'm writing communication for them for the whole team or I'm sitting in on meetings on their behalf while they're traveling or, um, you know, I I started really getting involved in the creative video, um, audio, like, creative department. And I had a lot of ideas and I had a lot of, kind of got my hands wet when it came to production and quality and media. And so even that, like... I was a big part of that team With came up with a ton of the ideas and yeah. helped them bounce ideas off and sit in all the meetings. And so, yeah, I think it was, it was one of those things where not only they needed somebody to execute their crazy ideas, right? but as I was in there, I was always a, a different, unique opinion and vantage point than the people that I w- was working with right. because the people that I was working with were very, scattered, creative, all these, all these crazy ideas, some of them good, some of them terrible. And I was able to come in and be the kind of the realist and say, Hey, that's not going to work in the setting, or actually that could work if we tweak this a little bit, you know? Right. So
0: Well, that's a valuable asset. I don't care what kind of business you're running. I mean, so right. you, beca- you became a value talking about ROI, right? Like you are consistently elevating your ROI based on your willingness and let me ask you a question because that's a that's a gutsy move like you know what i mean to be like hey chief um that's not probably what we should do what about this i mean did you work yourself into that or have you always been a guy who's like hey i got an idea and i'm going to tell you whether you want to hear it or not like how did you because i mean that's a you know what i'm saying like that's not something that everybody would, would feel comfortable doing how'd you get there
1: it takes time you've got to build that rapport with your executive and your team um but there's a certain element of confidence that just comes with time and experience but ultimately my my confidence in this is what I talk a lot about in the book and and in my training my confidence is is not based on the affirmation of my executive or it's not based on whether or not my idea was used when I, when I spoke up, you know, it's, it's based on the fact that I'm a valuable human being, no matter what happens. And so that gives me that gutsy, you know, risk taking mindset, because yeah. I'm not, I'm not worried about, Oh, what if I say this idea and it's just terrible and nobody uses it? Well, I don't care. <laughs> like, well, let's,
0: talk, let's talk about that. Cause that's a, that's a trait that, that more humans need. And we're just talking about self-worth, right? Like your, your self-confidence, your self-worth? Have you always been someone who had a really high self-esteem, self-confidence, self-worth? Because in my world, I deal with a lot of like human transformations, right? Like somebody trying mm-hmm. to go from A to B or trying to make some kind of transformation. It could even be financial or job-related or relationship, whatever it might be. And that self-worth or lack of is usually a barrier to success. Have you always been someone who had a really high self-worth?
1: I mean, I wouldn't say always, I, I definitely had a good, good grounded uh, upbringing and, you know, I've always had good support system around me, been, been blessed in that sense. But I think when I see, I, I, as I got older and got, you know, out of my parents' house and into the real world, I realized that, okay, I, well, just take a step back. So my dad actually had a scenario where he lost his job, long story short, lost his job. And it really put him into depression and just a bad, bad state for, for years. And so I saw that and I thought, okay, well, what, what's happening here? And I realized that he had put his entire worth and identity in his work and in that job. And when he lost it, you know, when you lose that thing that you've, kind of get your value from then you don't feel like your life is worth living and so when that happened to him I saw that as and I I kind of took it as a red flag of like all right I'm probably going to be dealing with the same tendency and I need to make Mm -hmm. sure that I don't put all of my worth in this job and so at at a at a low level I did do that. Well, I started to do that where I was like, all right, if I lose this job, I'll find another one. It's no right. big deal. But I, I, I also didn't, I also put everything into that job. So I did have all right. my eggs in one basket, financially, socially, mentally, every everything, even spiritually, like it was all in that basket. And so when that was gone, I did kind of have to start over and I didn't, I didn't set myself up to succeed, um, in, in diversify, if you will. right but at least i i had that alert from my dad's experience to know okay i can't make this job define who i am as a as a human being
0: i love that i do i want to take i want to dive into a little bit deeper though cuz what i i'm just thinking of like something that i could hear somebody saying to that so how do you do that like how do you not attach yourself right like at, you know even if it's not all of your worth or whatnot but how do you not attach that and still execute at the highest level right like still be like hey this i'm not this isn't define me but i'm all in like you're right, my, yeah. yeah i'm all in on this because you know some people might have a disassociation and say well oh screw this it's just a job right and then they don't right. show up and and really perform at a high level then they get fired and they're like well that's that's crap i got fired well you didn't show up
1: right <laughs> so right, how do right. you how do
0: you do both because that's a, that's a gift
1: yeah, well, there's a quote that I, that I use in my book um, from Dorothy Sayers, and she talks about how the community as a whole, if, if the individual members of an organization or a community, if they are worried and concerned about the affirmation of others and the approval of others and the applause of others, she, she, she uses this phrase I love, it's called, uh, she says, angle for applause. So it's kind of that like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna go yeah. over here so that i get that pat on my shoulder and i'm gonna go over here so that they say thank you i'm like i'm angling for applause yeah and she says no it, it, we we often think and individuals will often think that okay i'm gonna do i'm gonna work so hard i'm gonna work overtime i'm gonna burn myself out because i need that affirmation from the team and the executive or because i want that applause and if i do that I'll, it'll also I'll also do good work well she flips it on, on, uh, upside down and says, no, actually the community as a whole, the organization as a whole is, is hindered and suffers when we do that. And so instead she says what, when the community flourishes, it's when the individual members serve the work instead of angling for applause. So she talks about how you can serve the work. you can you can be excited about doing a good job, doing an excellent job and not and disassociate it with angling for applause and trying to have that approval and that affirmation and, and essentially your worth. So you can yeah. detach your worth from your work and just serve the work. And right. so that's that's kind of how um, that framework that Dorothy Sayers talks about has really helped me. Shift my mindset of, okay, no, I'm not going to just be lazy and say, Oh, yeah. it's just a job and whatever. Right. no, I'm actually I care about the work that I do, yeah, but I don't attach my value to it,
0: yeah, you you talk a lot in in the in the book about avoiding burnout, right, or trying to help people not get burned out. And i when I think about what you do, I mean, I think high stress, high demand, especially, based on the executive, right? Like I'm sure some of them are more high stress, high demand than others. Some are more aloof and, you know, whatever, but like, let's just talk about the complexity of all of that. Cause I mean, think that regardless of the executive's personality type, it's still going to be a high stress, high demand job. How do you avoid that overwhelm or that burnout? Like in, in, you know, I understand what Dorothy was saying about that, but Still, when when you know, say I'm the executive and I am I'm with you, right? Like it's sometimes that's hard to, you know, if I'm a very demanding human, that's hard mm-hmm. to like you know disassociate that in the moment. Like, how do you handle that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the two, the two best ways to resist burnout, um, one is to set boundaries. So mm-hmm. with my last executive, I had no boundaries. Uh, he texts me at you know. 10 o'clock on a Saturday night where's my black sock or where's my red sock or you know where's my belt you know like just random crap like that right and then I had you know vacations I don't have vacations I took time off but I'd still be getting texts or having to check my email and you know and and he didn't do very good job at taking vacations either and so it was just like this culture of just work, work, work. So we didn't have any boundaries. So when I started with my new executive, I sat down with him. I said, listen, I'm going to be the best assistant you've ever had. I'm going to work my rear end off, but leave me alone on the weekends. (laughs) And, uh, and he's like, sounds good. That's I, you know, I burned out in my last role. I don't want to do that again. Let's do this. So we set up boundaries. Um, but we, but it doesn't mean we don't work hard and, and don't work a lot. Like Right. We actually have Monday and Tuesday, or sorry, Monday and Wednesday nights are work late nights. Okay. So, you know, if we've got a really intense season and we're we're just busting through all this these projects, well, it's not a, oh, every night we're just going to work late. Right. It's no, we're going to funnel all of that extra work into Monday and Wednesday nights. This helps us because we're on the same schedule so that like we can ping each other back and forth and get what we need and, and kind of help each other out. But it also helps our families because our families know okay, Tuesday night, dad's not going to work late. Uh, yeah. Monday and Wednesday they might he might work late, but I know that I'm that he's not going to be like every night or every uh, weekend. So boundaries is the big one. And then the, the second one is hobbies. I didn't have a hobby. Like I so when I did finally have a day off and I did have a fine finally have a 24 hour stretch where my executive left me alone. I didn't know what to do with myself it's like the was it anchormans like what do i do with my hands like yeah i i didn't know what to do Talladega so night. is that what it was
0: yeah when ricky bobby's in his hands yeah, yeah. just fly up yeah
1: yeah so like anyway th- i was like i don't know what to do so what did i do i, I wanted to i didn't want to just i couldn't just i'm too too driven to just yeah. sit around and get drunk and watch tv and you know like I wasn't, that's not, that's not my day off, which that's not, that shouldn't be anybody's refreshing day off anyway. Um, but I had to do something to stimulate my creativity, to engage my mind. And so what did I do? I logged onto my email and got some work done. (laughs) So now, so fast forward, I realized, okay, I need something to just point and focus that energy toward during my time off that's not work. Right. And so, uh, some, for some people it's, you know, they run marathons or they like to play tennis or they like to garden. Um, some people, they like to work on their, their trucks, you know, all weekends, you know, whatever it is, it's something that's refreshing to them that's not work. Um, but also keeps them going. So for me, it's been playing sports with my boys, um, Take you know, helping them out with their baseball and soccer and all that, and then I actually really enjoy audio production, so my podcast has been a been a fun hobby. Um, you know, so I'll spend you know a couple hours on a Saturday editing an episode, and it's kind of it's a good release to help me use some of the skills that I have and be creative, but it's not super stressful and, and super time consuming.
0: That's cool. That's really cool.
1: So yeah, it, boundaries and hobbies. Those boundaries are the, those and hobbies.
0: Okay, I like that. Now, what what's one thing? I had this is a question that I had that I was just curious about. Like, because you you seem to be an Uber driven guy. Like you, I mean, very articulate. Obviously, you you've got a good um, foundation of just the ability to to create and do all those things. Have you had mentorship along the way, like along this journey, like from either? someone that's kind of came before you or from an executive that's that gave you direction and then the the second part of that is there any one thing that it that an executive you work for has either said to you or done that has really been like epiphanal in like either the elevation of your either personal mm-hmm. self or in your professional self?
1: Yeah I mean my last executive uh for all his his uh issues and weaknesses uh was actually we had a great relationship. I, you know, actually knew him um, or had known him for like, I think it was like 12 or 15 years before I started even supporting him directly as his assistant. So we had a good history. He knew me really well. I knew him really well, which, you know, is, is good and bad because you know, you're each other's strengths, but also weaknesses. But I remember there was a couple moments where he would say things like like I'm, I this was probably 2 years before he got fired and I started my side hustle uh blogging and training assistance he said something like you should it was just one day random he's like you should like start writing ideas down for helping assistants like he just he just said that like randomly. Just yeah. randomly. And I, and it was just like one of those things that stuck with me. I was like, I was like, yeah, I could see myself having fun doing that. But I was like, I'm too busy.
0: Yeah.
1: I was like, I don't have time. So I literally didn't do anything with it until he was fired. I resigned and I had this okay. big space and time to just think and figure out what I wanted to do. And then it came back. In hindsight, and so- was
0: that him just, was that him just seeing this in you that you didn't see yourself. Like he he saw your ability and what you could what you do with it. Oh yeah. That's cool though. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. So it was, I mean, you could even say it was prophetic. Uh it was just very, very forward thinking and like, okay, like this guy has this in him. But he was also like, well, but you know, I'm also I also need him. So I don't want him to leave me. (laughs) So keep him busy, kind of a thing. But anyway, Yeah. yeah. And then as far as mentors, I mean just just uh, as I've gotten, put myself out there after after that role and getting into this, new, this current role that I have, I've really networked with so many assistants all over the world, other thought leaders, other authors. Uh, a couple of my friends are big. Um, they're not in the assistant industry, but they're big business author people. So my friend, Mike Weinberg, who's a sales um, management guru, Best-selling author, and then my friend John Ruin, who wrote a book called Giftology. Uh, it's a it's a another great deal. But they both were very encouraging early on, and, and introduced me to certain people, and have just been supportive along the way. And so, it's always helpful to have a couple people like that that can kind of yeah. encourage you. And and even when I was writing my book, my friend Mike, he'd he'd already written three best-selling sales wow. books. And he just gave me some really, really, really good advice on the book. And I just remember like, okay, all right. And then as I started getting into the process more, I was like, wow, he was, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. There's
0: value in association, right? Like who you surround yourself with, you know, it has a really, you can have a great value on your life. Like, what about your, how is all of this? you know, working with all of these different executives and now cr- the creation of your own business, like, you know, you're, you know, has it made you a better leader yourself, both professionally and, and personally? Like, has it has it helped you blossom in those areas?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's practical things like, I now am not financially um, relying upon one source of income. Uh-huh. And so that's been a big weight off of my my shoulder my wife's shoulder my family shoulder like just knowing that like okay if this business stops making money I still have a day job or if I lose my day job I still have this business that's making money like so even just the the opportunities that that brings and the flexibility that that brings and the control that that brings in the sense of I can say no to a lot of things because yeah. I have this flexibility and these opportunities. So it's made me a better prioritizer uh, because before it was like, oh, I've got to do everything. But now it's like, I can be selective. So yeah. if if I get a speaking request for some event and you know they say, well, we only have $500 to pay speakers. Well, when I first started, uh, I was like, that's a lot of money. To, yeah. to speak. I can't believe somebody would pay me to do that. Right. Uh, but now that I've gotten into the world and know a little bit more about the ins and outs of the, of, of that world, I'm like, okay, this is, this is embarrassing. You're getting $50,000 from that sponsor and you're going right. to, you know, do all those, and you're going to pay speakers. So, but I have the ability. I, I know a lot of speakers in my industry that don't have the opportunity to say no, because they need right. everything they can. Cause that's their only source of income. Right. So I can, I can say no to things. I can have some creative, you know, freedom to write a book, do a podcast, put up, put out an online course, run uh host an event, you know, whatever I want to do. Um, it's just it's done that. And then personally, I mean, like I said, it just it's very very helpful to have a hobby and have those boundaries but it's easier to have a hobby and easier to have those boundaries when you have, like I said, these multiple streams of income so right. that you're not like worried that you can't pay the bill next yeah, month. I if mean, you yeah, financial take a flexibility.
0: Days yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Financial flexibility is, is an amazing, you know, gift that you can, you know, give to yourself. So you're not, yeah, I think that the ability to say no to things is gosh, that, that's such a powerful thing.
1: Yeah.
0: What is your, I'm assuming so when I think about like what you do and like just you know the, the world that you know having an assistant myself and the communication between you know the two the two parties um how have your core values made you like really top level and, and you know who you are in this in this world right because I think when I think about the complexity of the relationship right I think communication is vastly important but I also think trust and loyalty and those type of things. Cause I mean, you're probably you're being given the keys to a very valuable organization, if you will, in a lot of instances, like how is, how have your core values really kept you like in that, that focus of that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like I talked about at the beginning, I've always been a helper. Um, I just, I just really, I get up in the morning and excited to help other people. Okay. So, if i if I see that my executive is has the energy and the time to take their, you know kids to the pool for an afternoon, or if I see that my uh, you know, my executive has this presentation coming up or this speaking gig coming up at this big conference, and I see that I can, you know, help with the slide deck and really make sure it doesn't have any typos in it and make sure it makes sense and help them work through that. Um, if I see that we need to raise $15 million in the next 12 months and I have, you know, some control over, Hey, I've got my own network. Maybe some of those people want to invest. And, um, I just, that's, that just keeps me excited about it. And so my value, my value of helping others really, helps me (laughs) do my job better. And then of course on the side hustle side with the, with the assistant stuff, it's the same deal. Like I just got an an email from an assistant who went to one of our free webinars um, about salary negotiation. And she's like, I took this webinar, I followed all the steps. And I'm just happy to say that I just got a 30% salary increase because I followed all the steps that I learned in this. And another one, uh, sent an email saying, I just got it, landed a new role, making a 50, 50% more, uh, money than I was making before. And it's like, that's, yeah. that's why I do this. That's right? going to feel so my, awesome. My value. Yeah. My value of helping people, um, and seeing them reach their goals and get more opportunities and really resist burnout and lead well, that's. That really, really helps.
0: Have you always had awesome communication skills? Like have you oh, always been oh able no. to like, okay, oh. let's talk about that because i I'm a big believer that I mean, I think communication can be the either the the greatest gift of an of a relationship or the detriment of a relationship. Right. how How have you gotten to where you are and and how how bad was it and and how did you get? I used to be, transition.
1: I was a homeschool preacher kid, shy, shy kid. Hardly said a word,
0: not super social, not
1: social, awkward, just, just quiet. And everybody's so, you're so quiet. You're so quiet. And when I would say something, you know, like in high school, like other high schoolers, students would say, uh, wow, Jeremy, Jeremy said a word or Jeremy (laughs) speaks or something like that, you know? So anyway, I, I got a job at Walmart when I was 16 or 17. And, you know, it was required like, Hey, you know, how may I help you? Like, right. can I help you find something? You know, you had to talk to strangers, right. That was your job on the floor. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, I, I started getting a little bit of out of my shell then, then I started playing guitar and singing in about when I was 17 or 18, around that time. So kind of was coming out of my shell then and then hold
0: hold on a minute now that's a gutsy move man i mean that's i mean to go from like not saying a word in high school to like singing and picking up a guitar well
1: what's funny is it's interesting because i had this weird thing where i hated talking like we would i would do music for youth group and church and whatever and i hated if i had to say even like three words in between a song okay i just hated it i was like i had to prepare i had to take a deep breath i had to whatever but when it was singing a song, I had my guitar playing, so it was kind of like this barrier between me yeah. and the people. Okay. and it was a song. I was like, "Oh, I'm singing a song, like this is what you do right and uh, and, and it was more like memorizing a song or whatever okay. so it took me like I was terrible at the speaking part, just terrible. and so over time, I just did a little bit more, a little bit more, and then what's funny is when I started the assistant training side gig, I I got a speaking request to go to Frankfurt, Germany and speak at the European Central Bank with their, their annual event for like, I don't know, hundred assistants or something like that. And I had never actually done a public speaking event in person. I had done a couple of virtual ones, yeah. but I, you know, I had, I had been blogging, I had been built, built up my street cred and whatever. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So after I did it, my wife was there. She got to go with me on that trip. And she told the person that was running, he's like, oh, you know, this is Jeremy's first time speaking. <laughs> hey,
0: hey, hey,
1: don't say that. And they're like, I was like, what are you doing, honey? <laughs> uh, but no, like, so so when it t- comes to public speaking, I'll just close with this. I had to write out. So I worked for a public speaker. He was a pastor. He spoke three, four times, sometimes five times every weekend. Every, every week, right. and so. I saw, the outline, the manuscript, the I saw the,
0: the formula, the flow the, and yeah. and
1: I knew what what went on behind the scenes, and he was also um, published a few books, so I'd seen that too, and that helped me when I was getting to my book, but then my current executive is also a big public speaker. He doesn't do as much of the writing out the outline and the manual, whatever, but I've learned a lot from him. But what I did is I would write out every single word I was going to say. And then I would read through it, edit it, chop it up. And I would literally go on stage with a, with a word for word manuscript. And I'd practice it a whole bunch, but that's what I would do. Yeah, exactly. And so that's how I started. And I would just, every single time I would just go word for word, I would think through every single thing I was going to say. And then as I did that more and more, I would start going on stage with more of a filled in outline. Yeah. And then I'd go on stage with just an outline and then I'd go on stage with no outline and just the slides. So as I just, just repetition. Yeah. Um, that's how I, that's how I worked on my communication. You just do it over and over again. And then as far as written communication, it's just writing every day. Like when I was doing the book, I just had to write every day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Has that helped with your communication, just on a personal level, like just talking to to the executive or talking to a fan, like oh, yeah. your wife and your your friends and everybody?
1: Yeah, I mean, writing the book helped. Um, obviously, public speaking has helped, but even even things like filler words, trying to you know, I'm still not great at it if I'm not as prepped. But being okay with awkward silences instead of saying, "Uh, um, yeah," so you know and that really it's really interesting if you can be decent at verbal communication just decent not even good but decent at it you are automatically in this like upper echelon of people in the world and how you can sure. the opportunities you get the respect you get the the negotiation you can you can do you know all these things so it's a big, it's a big deal. And, and it just took me a lot of years and a lot of practice. <laughs>
0: well, it's like everything you put in the reps, right? I mean, that, yeah. you want to, you want to get healthy. You want to get fit. You got to, you want to get into the gym. You can't just go once you got to go, right? It's like, you got to go for a long time. So that's awesome, man. That's really, that's really cool. Yeah. So man, to wrap up, what's, what is, um, I, I hate this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Like, um, are we, are we ever, is there another book in the plans? What's next for you? <laughs> um, Just the growth of your your organization of, of helping other assistants. Like what do you have on the what do you have on deck?
1: Yeah, man. I I, I really like you said earlier, I don't want to write another book. Are you crazy? Uh, <laughs> I know. I I will someday, but yeah my day job's pretty busy. I work for a company called Capacity and we're a, a support automation AI powered platform. And so we we went from I was hired number one and now we have a hundred employees. And Whoa. so it's it's taking a lot more of my time, which is fine. I love it. I love working for my executive. I love the team. Um, but a book is not in the cards anytime soon. So what I'm basically, my, my goal is to just stay consistent, just stay consistent. So release a podcast episode every week. Uh, I, I have a weekly 30 minute zoom chat with assistants all over the world, just to say hi and help them connect and talk about different topics. I I did run a premium membership where we do monthly coaching training sessions. Cool. And so I really just try to be consistent and be here because a lot of the other trainers in my industry have come onto the scene and they're, they're all this and doing this. And then they just disappear or they burn out or they, whatever. And so my goal is to just stay consistent and keep helping people.
0: And that's, going to be your that'll be your golden goose right there because like you said like we live in a world now where you know i'm in the coaching world as well and it's like you know every day there's a new guru popping up and everybody's like oh my gosh I mean just like just do what you do be good at be be excellent at what you do stay consistent be committed to it and you'll be there in the end, right? So hats off to you, brother. I'm proud of you, man. So I, my suggestion would be for anybody listening, like whether you're an assistant or you have a desire to be a sister or whatever, this book is, is top quality for a lot of reasons, like communication and your ability to, like you said, be in that top 5% of people who are just able to have conversations and write well, and those things will serve you in life like no tomorrow. So Congrats on the books, brother. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, wish you nothing but massive success.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. And uh, if anybody wants to hear about how to hire an assistant or fire an assistant or whatever you want to want to help with, just uh, feel free to reach out leaderassistant.com. I'd be happy to help.
0: Is that the best? So if they go to leaderassistant.com, they can find the book, they can find all your social media, they can find everything.
1: Yep. Yep. All right.
0: Perfect. That'll be in the show notes too, guys. So you don't have to write that down if you're driving or whatnot, but um, thanks again, brother, and uh, look forward to uh, following you and watching all your success.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. Take care.
0: All right, bud. See you in a bit. Hey, before you go, I'd just like to say thank you again for listening to the Thrive Forever Fit podcast and watching on YouTube. It means the absolute world to me. And if you would, if you would do me one favor, and that is simply subscribe and review this podcast on whatever platform it is that you enjoy it on, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, doesn't matter. I would absolutely be so grateful and so thankful if you do that for me. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you again next week with an awesome, awesome episode. Bye.